Hi, and welcome to Transparent with Tina. I'm Tina Marks, your host. You know, there's so many times in our lives that we just wonder, why is this happening to us? You know, what, what did I do to deserve this? Uh, why me? You know, in, in my younger years, in my younger adult life, I should say, I wondered this a lot. And, you know, when I look around, friends, coworkers, peers, whatever it was, felt like everybody was achieving everything they set out to achieve and everything was moving forward in their life. And I felt not only was I not moving forward, but I was actually moving backward. And, you know, I, you know, I share in, in my show and my book that, you know, I grew up with a message that was kind of relayed to me that I, that made me feel very unworthy as a person. So, you know, I didn't ever set any goals. I didn't know why I was here. I didn't know what my purpose was. Kind of just felt like I was taking up space until I found my purpose. And I, I found my purpose through metaphysics, through starting to ask the question, you know, why am I here? What, what is it all about, you know? And metaphysics was my gateway into finding my purpose. And then, you know what? It all made sense. Everything that I had gone through was necessary for me to arrive where I am now and where I continue to go. My guest is, has had the same experience. He is a mastery coach with Tony Robbins and Dean Graciosi. He is an author. He's a podcaster. He has a new course coming out. Up next, Princeton Clark. Welcome back. And we are with Princeton Clark. Welcome, Princeton. So good to see you again. (laughs) (laughs) So good to see you too. Always wonderful to connect with you. How are you? Yeah, I'm doing fantastic. It's starting. uh, How's your how's your 2021 starting? So far, so good. You know, I've come in really moving with some powerful momentum and trying to set the set the stage for this year. You know, last year, of course, I came in with a really busy plan, a really busy vision for what I got to achieve. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, you know, Dave Meltzer oft, often talks about that, you know, showing up and not in a way that you have to, but you get to. So I would say I showed up in a way that I got to achieve some great things last year. And then, of course, COVID hit. So coming into this year, you know, I'm just enjoying the moment. You know, I have some great things that I get to manifest this year. And it's it's been smooth. You know, coming out of the holidays, I really felt like the energy was so super busy. And it was still a low energy, too, I guess, just because of people being divided, not being able to come together. But right now, I feel great. You know, I've been making some really amazing connections. You know, it's interesting you say that because I had the last two weeks off from coaching. I mean, you know, I still had to do other things. And I was feeling a real heaviness and a lot of anxiety when I, w- when I would wake up and I'd look around. I'm going, why are you feeling anxiety? You can do whatever mm-hmm. you want today. You, you know, you, you, there, there's nothing... There's no coaching clients today. And I started to realize, I think, because I'm very sensitive to energy and I'm an empath. Mm-hmm. And so um, I'm thinking it's the collective energy is maybe what I was picking up on. You know what yeah, I mean? So totally. Um, so speaking of COVID, because you said you had all these big plans, what would you say is, is the biggest benefit that you found with COVID in your life? Wow. So many, so many, but the main one was the mass reset, you know, came in, things were so busy. We were building all, all of these great coaching programs for, you know, Tony Robbins and Dean Graziosi, you know, who I'm a coach for and, and it was going great, you know, but I was spending so much time there. And so when COVID hit and we had to go virtual, it forced everything to slow down and it gave me the ability to take a step back and really look at the view of what was manifesting the view of not only what I was getting to do, but also just the view of my own journey, my own brand, my family. And it it helped me to put things in perspective. So in all of those branches, you know, things began to shift for me, you know, as far as my perspective around them and also the energy around them, just watching so many people die. So many people get sick and it spread like a wildfire right after all the protests and all the other stuff, you know, and then all that stuff started compiling, you know, it just made me look at the world, look at humanity and say, okay, how do I want to show up right now? You know, tomorrow's not promised. I don't know what's going to happen. And yeah, so that was, that was the biggest thing. 
Good, good. Yeah. And I, you know, that's what I got too. And I think it, that if people are missing this opportunity, you know, it's unfortunate because mm-hmm. there is a huge opportunity with this COVID and, you know, j- you know, just for me, it was like values and where I am putting my time because, you know, we can get, I, you know, I need to get this done. I need to get this done to move forward. You know, we, cause we all want to move forward as a species, whether it's personally, physically, professionally, you know, yeah. but we can get on this trajectory and then all of a sudden your kids are grown and, and, you know, you've been ignoring your wife or your husband or whatever it is. So good mm-hmm. for you. All right. So we already know that you are a mastery coach for Tony Robbins and Dean Graciosi. Let's go back before. Mm. Okay. Let's go back to the backstory, which I always like to start because it's fascinating, you know, to find how you found your purpose, what kind of struggles you went through, how did you get through them? So, so tell us about your backstory. Awesome. Awesome. Well, you know, I've been a self-mastery coach for 17 years, but I always tell people that journey was just the beginning of, of where I am right now. But, you know, how I got to that point, you know, earlier in my life, you know, I was one, just like many other people, I had a lot of struggles. You know, I was abused mentally, physically, verbally, and emotionally as a child, struggled with deep depression through my teens, barely by, by graduated. your parents or who, 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 who abused you? Was it your parents? Yeah, my father, uh-huh. you know, and I mean, that was back in the day when you didn't really see it as abuse when it came right. to getting with, with belts and, yeah. you know, whatever, you know, but um, my father and I are, are, are really great friends now. We're mm-hmm. best friends, mm-hmm. you know, and mm-hmm. and it's because I took time to really learn him and mm-hmm. I became a father and I said, you know what, like, I can't hold you accountable for what you didn't know you know, or for how you were raised. He didn't have a father growing up. And so he did the best with what he knew. And he was a great provider, an amazing provider. But that was just one area, one of those tough love parents that verbally abusive, you know, mentally, emotionally, and physically. Um, you got that. I didn't really. Double, triple, quadruple whammy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, and it's interesting you say that because I want our audience to really hear this because, you know, I came from my father was emotionally abusive, hit me a little bit. And I mean, nothing to put me in the hospital or anything like that. And for years I was like, why me? I felt like it was something I did wrong. Mm. And you know what, when I finally matured enough and I got to a place of forgiveness and I said, you know what, nobody comes into this world going, I, my goal is to be the biggest jerk on the planet. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or I'm not, you know, my goal is not to be a drug addict or, or homeless or whatever it is. And I think people forget that. Okay. Mm-hmm. They look at them, they judge them. And, you know, as you said, your father did with the best that he knew how with what he had. Mm-hmm. Right. So he was never taught. So, okay. So, so you're going through this and how did that, how did that translate to you? All that, that abuse. Well, you know, at that time when I was experiencing it or growing through that, you know, situation, you know, I was also molested between the ages of nine and 11. And I did, you know, you grow up as a kid and certain things happen and you just think this is how it is, That's you know, but yeah, yeah. You just think that's how life is supposed to be, you know, and, or you start believing that you're bad, you know, and so this is what you get when you're bad. And I can remember my, my mom asking me, we were in the car on our way home, um, my dad, my mom and I, and they asked me, they said, Princeton, why do you show off so much? And I said, because that's the only time I get attention. Yeah. Like, I, I still remember that I was really little, maybe seven or eight, you know, when I said that, you know, and it, it has it has a lot to do. There's a lot that I could go into psychologically, the development that happens in a child, you yeah. know, during those ages. But um, I didn't, it didn't, didn't really hit me what had happened to me until I was about 16. I was at my grandmother's house and we were watching the old talk show, the Phil Donahue show. Oh, and, yeah. <laughs> you know, and it was dealing with victim, victims of domestic and de- domestic, excuse me, I can't talk. It's okay. Victims of domestic violence and abuse. Mm-hmm. And there was a young man on there and he was sharing his story and it almost mirrored mine. It practically mirrored mine. And for the first time I realized, and it hit me at once that I had been violated. Yeah. You know, and I remember my face getting hot, my ears got hot and I was enraged, but I didn't feel like I could talk about it. I didn't feel like I could tell anyone, you know, especially when you feel like the people that are supposed to love you the most are the people that hurt you the most. Like, Mm -hmm. 
what does what is it even going to matter if I do say something? You know, it doesn't even really matter. And I think that's where a lot of people when people ask the question with victims of abuse, you know, why didn't they say something? Why? Because they don't feel when the people closest to you are the ones hurting you. Mm-hmm. You're not thinking that anyone else is going to listen to you because these are the most important people to you. Mm-hmm. And if it doesn't bother them, then why would it bother anyone else? Why would they care? Well, yes, exactly. Well, so are you saying that the the abuse, the molestation came from a family person? Yeah. Oh, yeah, it was it, a it was a family member, not not my immediate family, but not family your immediate member. family. So what you're mm-hmm. basically you're saying is I'm not going to go tell my da- dad. I mean, my dad's abusing me. So, I mean, what's he going to say? Right. And then mm-hmm. and then also, I'm, you know, how many times I've heard this is the abuser is also saying, if you tell them, I'll kill your parent, you know, that they threaten you. They have a way of making yeah. and turning it around on you. So at mm-hmm. 16, you started to realize you heard the story. It's very like very much like yours. Did you pivot at that point? What happened then? I went into deep depression. Um, throughout high school, I struggled with deep depression. I remember the 11th grade, my mom found a um, journal that I kept. And in the journal, I was writing about killing myself. And so her and my father took me to see a psychiatrist. Didn't really do much because I still wasn't even open enough to talk to them. They just asked me, you know, why was I trying to commit suicide? Of course, my parents not really thinking anything they were doing was, was wrong because with what they knew, that's all they were doing, you know? And so that's how they were raised. You know, right. and and so when it got to that point, um, it just everything went downhill and I, I barely graduated high school, was a tremendous athlete, could have had full ride scholarships um, with track. And I just kind of stopped caring about things, but I barely got my diploma and I ended up in gangs. I ended up selling drugs on drugs. Was and that unfortunately, after, was that after high school or after or high school, after high school. OK, mm-hmm. so that didn't scare you at all. No, no weapons getting killed. And no, no, didn't scare you. I've seen things that most people only see on TV, but I tell them, I always tell people because they're like, how can you just so freely talk about it now? You know, or how did you end up in that situation? And I tell them, you know, it's a funny dynamic when you go into a situation like that, you become hard because at that point I was so angry. It was me against the world. You know, I I used to always say, I hate people. I hate the world. You know, I'm going to do for me. And what hap- that's what happens to a lot of people. They feel like they have no other way out and they get so sunken into that anger, that depression. And then you meet people who have money, you know, they're doing good. You see the nice cars and they say, you know, we got your back. We here to support you. And they're saying things that you've never been used to hearing, yep. even though it's a lie. Cause the moment you get locked up or you go to jail, which I was lucky that never happened, even though there's a lot of times where it should have, um, it, it never happened. You know, but you see so many of your friends. I saw 17 people get locked up, you know, and I even tried to warn them like, guys, like, chill out. This is about to happen. But I saw 17 of my friends get locked up. But when you see them get locked up, nobody's going and putting money on their commissary. Nobody's going and calling them and spending time with them. They're too busy in the street, still living that quote unquote thug life, you know, and long story short, I was too ignorant. You know, I'm in it. I'm doing it. I'm angry. It gives me an excuse to use my anger. It gives me an excuse to let someone else feel my pain and to feel like I have some sort of authority and strength over other people right. and nobody can hurt me. Because you were so you, you were so victimized. And yeah. You had all this di- displaced emotions. Right. Mm-hmm. So you, you had to. It sounds like you're, you're you were trying to ha- harness your power. Because you're yeah, giving totally. your power away or your power was taken away. Right. Mm-hmm. And so you're just trying to regain it. And you're and also sounds like you're just trying to cling to a lifeboat of some being part of something. Totally. Right. Totally. That's okay. exactly what it was. Right. OK. And how long did that go on for? Um, Probably. About five years, five, six years. Um, Well, no, I take that back. Yeah, five years, five years. I was right. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know what's crazy is even though I was living that life, there was, I always tell people I was really good at wearing a mask and I was strong in front of everybody else and I could make people laugh and we could have a good time. We go out and get get drunk and that kind of became my escape. I would drink and use drugs to escape my life, but I drank so much that I had bleeding ulcers. I would throw up blood, but people never saw when I was at home, when I was by myself, how I cried my eyes out. You know, I, I hated my life. 
I hated that I felt like my life wasn't my own. And that's kind of why I overcompensated in trying to rule over other people or create this strong image because it, I had to feel like I'm in control of something because in all honesty, I felt out of control. Well, it's the mask. a survival mechanism. Yeah, totally. You put up these walls. I mean, it's the only way that you know how to survive. And and I felt that too. I was angry most of my life, you know. I, mm-hmm. I and and um, you know, when I say to people that I was insecure, uh, they don't believe it because they see this powerful woman, you know. And now mm-hmm. it's directed in the in the right way. But mm-hmm. um, you know, and that's why, as an adult, when you've gone through something like you've gone through, or I've gone through the trauma too, you have to go, okay. But you know that that's the only thing that you could do as a child to protect yourself was put on that kind of, as you said, mask, armor, whatever it is. But totally. now, as an adult, you can make different choices, mm-hmm. right? You and, but that's the key where a lot of people don't understand that you can make different choices now that you're an adult. You know, mm-hmm. it, it's not that scary place that it was when you were a child and you were basically a victim and you were, a, a, you know, a prey in somebody else's hands. As mm-hmm. an adult, you can create new opportunities and new new chances for yourself. Yeah. Right. Totally. So when did yeah. you decide to, that this is like I've had it? Was it was it a physical thing like the bleeding ulcers? What was it? No, um, I actually got married. If I rewind a little bit prior to this moment, um, I got married when I was 21 with my high school sweetheart. And one thing, you know, I often say it and I say it in my book. I wanted to love them and give them the love that I never had. But what I didn't realize at that time was that I didn't even know how to love myself. So in that relationship, of course, her father committed suicide when she was 11. She brought her baggage and her pain into that situation. And I brought mine and we mirrored that to each other. We were arguing all the time. And long story short, at the age of 23, I just reached the point where I felt like I was no good. At that point, we had um, my oldest son and my daughter, and she was pregnant with my now 16-year-old. And I just felt like I was no good for anyone. You know, that depression, the pain, the alcohol wasn't working anymore. The drugs weren't working anymore. I'm fighting all the time. I'm in shootouts. Like, I just felt like I was better off dead. And I remember sitting in my car one night and all these thoughts, just kill yourself. Your family will be better off. Your wife will move on. Your kids will have a better life without you. And and they'll find someone that can love them the way, you know, so on and so forth. Um, but I put a gun to my head that night and I pulled the trigger and the gun misfired. And what, what I always tell people. Misfired. Was there, there mean, was a bullet in there? I, there was a bullet in there. I pulled the trigger and click. The bullet didn't fire. And I always tell people, even though that literal bullet did not fire, a conscious one did that night. Yeah. Because when when they say your life flashes before your eyes, for me, it really did. I can't say for anyone else, you know, what their experience was. But for me, my entire life flashed before my eyes. And I asked myself a question that I never asked before. Why am I here? Because at that moment, you know, like you're trying to escape. You finally make a decision like that and it doesn't happen. Something spiritually, consciously, mentally happens to you. And I looked at my life and I said, why am I here? I remember yelling in my car and I started punching my steering wheel. And as I looked back and when I was thinking about everything that I've been through and I was like, some people go through this, some people go through that, you know, but I've been through all of this, you know, why me? And I realized that although all those things had happened to me, I wasn't where I was because the because of what happened to me. I was where I was because of how I chose to respond to it. And I remember you talk about epiphany so like moments. In that moment, you got that clarity? Yeah, it's like so it hit me like a ton of bricks. Well, so it maybe, yeah. Do you think looking back on that, that was God's whisper to you? I mean, like going- Totally. Yeah, yeah. Totally, totally. Um, that's exactly what I felt. Like there was something greater than me looking out for me. And within that week, I quit drinking cold turkey. I quit using drugs. I left gangs. I separated from friends and family that were no good to me because in that week following that, I had just a a few other experiences that really woke me up. And I always say I had this massive awakening within myself. And I realized one of the major things that hit me was I had experienced all these different things. And 
if I could overcome each one of these things with just one of these things, there was at least a million people trying to find their way through it. Exactly. I had been given a gift. That was the next great epiphany that came to me. I wasn't cursed. My life wasn't cursed. My spirit was strong enough to get through it so that I could get to this point to be a light to those. If I could be my own light right now and create a shift in my own life, of course, I wasn't communicating this way or articulating this way at this point. But ultimately, this is these are the thoughts you know, that I I was feeling at this time, but I was like, you know, if I can heal these areas in my life, then I've been given a gift to change the world. And that's what sent me on this journey of just self-mastery. And I started going deep. I started meditating and I grew up in the Bible belt of Virginia. So of course, I didn't know what was happening to me, you know, because prior to that, I was atheist. I grew up in the church. I always say I was a drug baby. I got drugged to church, you know. <laughs> I got drugged to church, you know. I always heard the message, but I never saw anybody truly live the message. My grandmother was one people, one person who truly lived the message. But um, I just stopped believing. When I was 18, I stopped going. And so at this point, I'm like, I don't know what's going on. So I dove into the Bible. I went and bought a King James reference Bible, a student Bible, a Strong's Exhaustive Concordance. And I just started diving into it. I would go to Barnes and Noble and read from sometimes five to 10 hours a day. I read the entire Bible uh, at least a time and a half in one year. And I even started studying the, the Hebrew, the Greek, the Aramaic, because I wanted to understand not what men were exegetically breaking down from their own perspective, I wanted to know what was really being said. And I learned a lot. I definitely learned a lot. And it grew me extensively. And even studying the original languages of Jesus and, you know, the true message of Jesus, because a lot of people don't even get that. And I won't dive into that now. That's another conversation. But um, I ended up meeting a friend and she said, Princeton, you are so amazing. Like you're always saying you love people. And and I shared my story with her and she said, are you a pastor? And I said, no, I'm just a human. You know, I'm just a spirit on a journey. Right. Exactly. And yeah. yeah. And so she's like, I want to introduce you to someone. Long story short, she introduced me to her pastor. He was one of the advisors and teachers for the North Carolina Institute of Theology at that time. And so he gave me a test. I ended up going back to school. I got a bachelor's in biblical studies and Eastern religion. And because um, I, I just had this hunger for understanding what in the East have we translated in the West that, you know, and what's the history behind it? So I went back to school and then following that, you know, now we move to this point, how I've gotten to this point. Um, I just became a student to life in my own mastery. And I remember the quote by Bruce Lee, where he says, I do not fear the man who practices a thousand kicks. I fear the man who practices one kick a thousand times. And I always say that's mastery. And I always look at the branches of my own growth, mentally, physically, spiritually, emotionally, financially, all of those branches are kicks, you know? And so at that point in my life, I'm studying. I didn't have a lot of money coming out of the situation I was in. So I would literally go to Barnes and Noble. I thought Barnes and Noble was the most amazing thing because you could literally go read books for free. Yeah. And I would read books about conscious psychology, you know, regular psychology, human motivations, emotional intelligence, mastery so of the mind. You, yeah. You, you all of a sudden it was like your nourishment. Okay. You, yeah. you got, you got on the, the right trajectory. It was like the universe kept providing you more, right? Mm -hmm. And and once you are like tapped in, okay, then it just keeps paving the way. But when, when you were out on the streets and you were depressed or whatever, you were, you're very closed. The light can't get in when the door is closed. Mm -hmm. But now that you've opened that door, right? Because people are like, why does it happen for everybody else? It doesn't happen to me. Well, Mm -hmm. the first question is why am I here? And I don't think most people ask themselves that because, you know, Mm -hmm. they'll just say, well, I'm, I'm this age, I'm supposed to get married and then I'm supposed to buy a house and then I'm supposed to have grandkids. And it's that's that, what is your purpose? And one thing yeah. I love that you, cause you know, I, everybody fills out a questionnaire to be on the show. And when I had asked you, um, how do you practice transparency? I loved your answer. You said, I realize there's only one of me and that's just it. And I think people lose sight of that as well. There is yeah. not one other person that's you in how many billions of people in the world? I don't mean how many, how many people are, I yeah. know I had this conversation. About 7 billion. But seriously, if you don't think that you're extraordinary to think of that many people, there's not the same combination of any of those people, unless it's a, you know, identical twin 
Yeah. But even then, you don't, you know, they're not they identical look alike, people. But exactly, <laughs> exactly. So, 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 was it immediately that you recognized once you st- this started unfolding in the Bible and started reading that you went, aha, the light bulb went on and it was like, now I kind of understand why I had the experience experiences I had mm-hmm. when I was younger was so I can help other people. I mean, like at what point did that happen? Really? Af- right after my life changed, I would wake up um, at two o'clock in the morning. The weirdest thing, well, it was weird then to me, but I would be awakened out of my sleep and I just felt like I had to walk and I would just go walk the same streets. I sold drugs in, I've been fights in and I would meet people who were out that time of night and I would just start talking to them. And I would say my parents, as a matter of fact, you know, and family thought one of two things, either I had a nervous breakdown or I'd done something so bad that I was trying to overcompensate for it because I went from being that angry person in that week following that to being this person saying, do you know how special you are? Do you know how valuable your life is? You know, because I found the value in my own life and it hit me so hard. I just wanted to go to those people who were were where I once was. And so I was led to talk to people in these streets late at night. And I remember certain nights standing in the middle of people, you know, in those same scenarios and talking to them. And by the end of me, you know, finishing, they were crying. They were hugging each other. We were all hugging it out. And I realized then just the power of love, the power of speaking positively over people, the power of speaking light into people's lives, because in many cases, people never said that. And that's why I always tell people, stop judging and speaking harshly or negatively about where somebody else is in their life. If you you've never there. taken the time to walk in, if, if you never walked in their shoes and you've never taken the time to say, I want to understand, or even if you can't understand it, have a realization that they're not you. They exactly. do not see the world like you. They do not process emotion or, or information the way you do. And if you're not willing to just shut the hell up, be quiet and say, I want to know your journey. Why do you see the world and, and and really set the intention to truly care your your opinion? You know, I love how in the Bible it says claiming themselves to be wise, they become fools. And I think you got a lot of wise fools out here who think they know everything mm-hmm. when they don't even know themselves. And that mm-hmm. reflection is what they see in the world. Mm-hmm. And I always say every other person is a mirror to us. They're reflecting some aspect of us to us, oh, absolutely. especially the ones mm-hmm. that anger you. Yeah, usually totally. something in yourself that you have not healed. So mm-hmm. what I'm hearing is it really all boils down to love. The journey mm-hmm. of self-destruction, the depression, all that was because you did not feel loved. Okay. You, totally. you, you couldn't, so you didn't feel it. It wasn't exposed to you. Um, so you didn't have it for yourself. And then, you know, once that one moment that you said, I'm getting rid of these, everything, everything I'm doing is I'm, I'm hurting myself. You know, whether it's mm-hmm. being in, in the gangs or the alcohol or the drugs or anything like that. And, you know, that's another interesting point, because that just shows you you can change anything in one moment, one that's decision. Right. You know, so when people go, oh, it's never going to happen for me. Oh, God, you know, you know what? Things happen in one. You're born in one moment. You die in one moment. You that's fall right. In love in one moment. You break up in one moment. I mean, it's really that one moment. And, and you know, it, you are that powerful to make that choice. But, you know, it's it's and, and I've been there so many times. So I'm saying this with all the love of my heart of people mm-hmm. that are saying I'll never change because I live a lot of my life like that. Mm-hmm. I was just like I felt like I was overlooked. I mean, I don't know. You know, it's like everybody else yeah. was in the spotlight. And it's like God forgot about me. But mm-hmm. it was all in perfect design because mm-hmm. once I awoke to what my purpose was, you know, I mean, and God's always giving you opportunities to find your purpose. Now, -hmm. if you're too busy complaining, you know, looking at the dark side, then you're not going to find it. You know, you just have to, Mm -hmm. you have to be kind of open and, and that's why meditation is so great. And I I got to be honest, I'm getting better at that, but that is one of the best things about meditation. So, so, okay. So you, I want to say something real quick to that, sure. you know, because, you know, we talk about another thing that hit me during that time was just the power of choice. Like I chose to respond. I always say responsibility is your ability to respond in a way that's going to create 
a change in Ooh, your I life like or, or a way that's going to create a mess in your life. You know, and so if we really just break that word down, your life is your responsibility. Your life is your ability to respond. How are you responding? How are you choosing to show up? And what hit me at that point when that gun misfired was the fact that, you know, we always say the next breath isn't promised. The next breath tomorrow's not promised. For me, I knew that every breath that I would breathe from that moment was a gift to me. And I said, I made the decree that I was no longer going to give any other person or anything in this world, the power to take my breath away, the power to waste. So I don't have time to argue. I don't have time to complain. I don't have time to be negative because every moment that I do that, you know, and I had to master that over time, but getting to that point and being able to say that, like, I mean it, I don't have time to focus on anything that's going to take my breath from me. I want to use my breath to experience the world and share my light. I don't focus on the darkness anymore. I always say you're the root to the tree of your life. And so many people focus on all the rotten fruit in the branches, but you got to go back to the root and ask yourself, why am I creating the fruit in this, these branches? Or, or, or yes, uh, creating it. Or sometimes, you know, we outgrow things, professions, uh-huh. relationships, and all of a sudden you're feeling miserable, you know, and then we're afraid to change because at least I know this. And what happens if I don't, if I, I, I'm not happy in this career anymore, but I should feel lucky to have it because it's mm-hmm. cold. You know what I'm saying? And so we, we don't take the um, chance. Okay. But you know what that, but you have to understand is that if you are going to move forward in your life and become all you can be, it's, there's never a stopping ground. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm, I'm sure you're not stopping at a coach. I know you're not because I got my notes in front of me, (laughs) (laughs) you know, and that's really, I think that's the misconception too, that we're supposed to Mm -hmm. land somewhere and then that's it. No, that then you're not moving forward. And, and um, there was something that you said, be, oh, oh, how do you want to show up in the world? How many of, how many people ask themselves that, you know, they'll watch other people's lives. Cause I've done it too on mm-hmm. TV, you know, watching how they're showing up and going, oh, why can't that be me? Instead of mm-hmm. focusing on how do I want to show up? How do mm-hmm. I want to articulate myself? How do I want to present myself with what I'm dressing like, or, you know, what my heart says or wh- whatever, you know, mm-hmm. and that's where the excitement comes back, not by watching somebody else, because then, then there's that comparison game. They're oh. there, I'm here, you know, and it is a vicious, vicious cycle. I mean, you know, in my, my book, the domino effect, they said, you know, the one decision leads to the next to the next. So if mm-hmm. you're observing and complaining and why am I not there, you know, then you're going to want to do more of that. But if you keep putting it back into yourself, like you said, then it get your life gets more exciting, right? Mm-hmm. So you became a mastery coach um, be- before Tony Robbins and, and Dean, right? Yeah, I was, I actually started, and once I started studying the Bible and everything and I got out of school, I actually became a pastor. I was a pastor for five years oh, and, wow. you know, really being a part of the religious system, I went on a deep journey and I realized that, number one, I went into the system because learning everything that I learned, I realized that a lot is taught wrong. And I kind of went in like Neo in the Matrix, like I'm going to go in and I'm going to teach it right. But I did it for about five years and. It, it was challenging. I'll say that because people are so set in their ways. It's amazing how we program ourselves and, and we have that cognitive dissonance where we don't want to hear anything other than what we've chosen to accept. And unfortunately, that's why most people don't grow because they've created these programs and belief systems and they hold so tight to it that when you present something new, an opportunity or an, a way to grow or a way to see something differently, they can't see it. They won't they'll let resist themselves it. see it. They'll just resist Yeah, totally. It. Yep. And, and, totally. and they'll spend all their time saying why it won't work is uh-huh. just going, let me just be open and just be open and see, see, maybe this is a better way. I mean, it's totally. called evolution people. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what brain, that's, what's brought me to like the name of my brand evolved mastery, evolving oh, self mastery every day. Yep. Yeah. I always say change is the only constant, you know, yes. and if we don't grow, we die. You know, and so for me, it was a constant state of growth. And I always say, I'm an eternal student. I'm always learning. I'm always growing. I'll never say I know everything. I'll no, no matter how long I've been in the industry, I always say there's always someone who's traveled a path that I've never traveled, who's seen something through a different set of eyes that I've never seen through. So I can learn from anyone. And there's so much wisdom to gain. And you got to get rid of the ego if you truly want to grow. Oh, yeah. You know, well, you got to get rid know, of the there's ego. There's a study that says the happiest people are the people that are constantly learning. And it's mm-hmm. true. 
Because if, mm-hmm. you're not, if you're not constantly learning, you know, this is the ego, what you just said, is going to take control and just, you know, it's it's going to be a naysayer and just going to, you know, you, you have to fight that all the time. And, but mm-hmm. it does, the more that, you know, whatever you feed becomes stronger. So when you're feeding your mind with positive things, that's why I have all my clients doing a morning routine. It absolutely changes your life. So mm-hmm. you, so you bit, you've, you've done the coach, you have a book, you, um, you have a, a course coming out in February. Let's talk yeah. about that. <clears throat> yeah. So it's the awakening your inner master course. Mm-hmm. I mean, my book is awakening your inner master, the journey of self mastery, um, on Amazon, by the way, shameless plug. Yeah. On Amazon, awakening your inner master, the journey of self mastery. So my course is awakening your inner master. And I dive into what I call the three foundational stones of self self mastery, the mind, the body and soul, because you always hear people say that, you know, get get in alignment with your mind, body and soul to the point where it's become so woo woo and so spiritually religious at this point that most people are at a point where they're like, what does that even mean? Mean. Yeah. What does that even mean? And so when I wrote this book, um, you could say it's kind of channeled through me. You know, I wrote it in less than two weeks and I just shared a lot of my own experiences, but I break down and it's broken into three parts, the mind and how I break down the study of the mind or the awareness. A lot of times when we talk about the the mind, you know, people, people don't understand. We're actually talking about the brain. The brain is a computer system. It's been recording information from the time that you were a child on up till now. And you've created programs, you've created perspectives and ideas that kind of go into a state of autopilot your entire life. But the mind is the conscious or spiritual awareness of thought. So if I say I am thinking, it's not my brain saying I am thinking. It is the awareness of the thought that's having a realization of thought. So when I talk about mastering the mind, I talk about becoming the observer of your creation, becoming the observer of those programs. What are you thinking? You know, for me to use this computer, I have to put it in a file. Every time we have a different experience, we create a program to run the file of that experience. If that's a tough, tough situation or a joyous situation, those are usually the situations we create mental programs around. Mm -hmm. Now, if you want to reset or you start adding new stuff into your life, say you want to start creating change in your life, but you're always inconsistent and you don't know why. And it's because you're not defragging your computer system and getting rid of the programs that are running in the background. Are you, you know, talking about the subconscious have... mind here? Are well, this about... is the conscious mind. Like I love how Neville talks about it. Neville is one of my favorite author, authors, but he, he talks about the sub, the conscious mind being the awakened mind, mm-hmm. the brain, you know, mm-hmm. that perceives and is responding, you know, outwardly, but the subconscious mind being that soul, that spiritual mind, that part of you that's deeply connected, that that sees and feels. And from the state of feeling, we create our reality, you know? And so the, the conscious mind thinks a thought, the subconscious mind then chooses, okay, am I going to use this thought, you know, and am I going to interact this way or use my responsibility, my, re- my ability to respond in this way to create a re- reality, mm-hmm. but depending on how you choose to feel. Now, if you are in a dark place within that particular area of your life, typically when you have a thought and it's a negative thought, you create a feeling around that thought. And if you mm-hmm. respond based on that feeling, you're going to create a reality, mm-hmm. you know, like Tony always says, where your focus goes, your energy flows. And yep. so a lot of people are trying to bring in new focuses before they change the old focuses yep. and they kind of begin to war with each other. And that's why you say the ego versus the spirit. You yep. have the old you, the old version of your mentality, your personality that's been developed over time, battling with this new awareness of your spirituality. Right. And you have to start, you know, channeling that other stuff out to empty your cup, so to speak, so that you can put new stuff in. So consciously you can begin to feel new. And that's what happened with me when my life changed. It was kind of like this mass awakening that happened. And I just felt new. Each Mm -hmm. breath was new. And that realization happened, you know, because I stepped into newness, darkness and light cannot reside in the same space. Right. Exactly. So I don't know, you know, if you're not 
focused on bringing more light in as opposed to the darkness, you're always going to create a reality that's out of balance. And this is where mastery comes in. This is a space where I help my clients, whether it's personally or professionally, you know, because how many of us professionals have had to battle that ego and the spiritual awareness and how we hold space and create the masterpiece of whatever it is that we're manifesting, you know, and so I work with some high level individuals, you know, to help do that, you, because especially coming into now when everything's going virtual, everybody's disconnected, you can't just go out and shake hands the way that you want. We create these programs and you start have to now shift your programs and how in the way you did business, the way you connected with people, you have to start being more vulnerable now because now they can't read your body language. You know, they, they need to get to know you. And that means you need to be more open about who you are, what you are, where you are. And that's what I love about your podcast is and, and you is that you're so transparent. You know, that it, it was nothing when we talked to say, I want to work with you. Your mindset, your mentality has shifted because subconsciously you've made a decision that you're going to feel different and you're going to create a different feeling in your life. And anything that's not in the flow of that, you let it go. Now, it may be that's not to say it's not challenging sometimes, mm-hmm. but that shows me that you are on you're, you are on the path of self-mastery. And that's what makes you great at what you do. Thank you. Thank you. And, you know, I was just sharing this with somebody, you know, the Abraham Hicks and all the emotions, you know, mm-hmm. shame is the bottom emotion. And for mm-hmm. me, when I decided to be transparent with my life, it's, it's, it's my own gauge. It's like I keep myself mm-hmm. um, out of shame because my mm-hmm. head can make myself feel shameful about anything. For me, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of people, it's like it's always their fault. For me, I always was like, what did I do wrong? I must have done mm-hmm. something wrong. That's where I usually go. So by like, you know, once I'm transparent about it, it's out on the table and it's like, I'm clear, I'm clear Mm -hmm. again. And I think, you know, and this is another, a a great thing too, with these courses that, you know, that you've developed is because the studies have shown too, it's like power in numbers, you know, you've got other people. I mean, how, how, is this based on the book, the course Princeton? Yeah. So the course is split into three parts also, but I dive a little bit deeper into each part, the mind, the body and the soul and how those those lessons and the wisdom that I gained in my own journey apply to the, you know, professional and personal life and spiritual life and how you process information, emotion and show up mentally, physically, and soulfully connected in every area of your life. So it's, it's, it's definitely going to be powerful for a lot of people and challenge the way they perceive. And know, that's out next own. month, you said? Yeah, it comes out in February. So where do people, how do people attain this? Um, there'll be, I'll be running some ads. I'll be posting it, but it will also be on the evolvedmastery.com okay. website. And so there will be links on there where they can go and they can get it. But evolvedmastery.com, that's E-V-O-L-V-E-D, mastery.com. Evolved as in with a D, not just evolved. Yes. Okay, evolvedmastery.com. And then you have um, a world summit. Mm, When is that happening? Well, I'm looking, I'd like to do that also in February around the same time that I dropped the course. So that would actually happen prior to the course being released. Okay. So would that you know, be like so, other speakers and things yeah. like that? Okay. Yes. Or invite me. I will. I will. <laughs> I have to have you on there. I love your transparency. And my goal is to bring together, you know, because I feel like there's been so many summits, so many events, and there's so much fluff in the yeah. speaker industry right now. But I'm looking to bring together some powerful people who are willing to give it to you straight. And when you walk away from this event, you will never see yourself the same, the same way. Yeah. Yeah. And that's just it. When you have enough people backing up the same thing. I mean, you know, uh, you know, I, I shared with you when I was on your podcast, which we're going to get to in one minute, you know, that yeah. I had to, I didn't have to do anything. I eliminated six people in my life and it was, you know, especially during COVID. I mean, this happened this last year. Um, I didn't realize that was happening, but uh, it was, it was, it was kind of a lonely journey, but now, you know, everything is opened up and, and the like-minded people that I have been searching for and longing for and craving are right in front of me, people like you, yeah. you know? And it's like, you have to close a door sometimes to get to the other side. I mean, That's you right. really, really do. And it's, t- it's a tough decision, but you know what? I think all of us deep down know when we need to do things like that. Mm-hmm. And you know what? Like 
you just have to get the courage. I mean, what would you say to somebody like that? Where do you find that courage? Well, Princeton, I don't know. I mean, I, 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 I'm not in love with my husband, but you know, I'm pretty lucky I have a husband or, you know, I'm lucky to have a job, Princeton, but you know, and you feel like your soul's calling you and you know, you're meant for more. And, but you know, in this time and day, you know, I mean, I, we're, I'm just lucky to have that because you know how many people I know that are like that. Mm-hmm. So what would you say yeah. to them? I mean, how would you, how would you guide them and, and say, how, how do they find the courage? Well, I'd say, first off, the reason we don't do a lot of that stuff is because of fear. And the courage is the ability to move forward, even though fear is present. Okay. You know, and so I, I always say, I don't, I don't speak to their mind. I speak to their spirit. Mm-hmm. I speak to what they are, not who they think they are. Mm-hmm. You know, because we all create this framework of a situa- situation or scenario in our lives. And we create how we respond from that framework. You know, but I speak to that spirit, you know, and I remind them, like, look, you are a powerful creator. There are some amazing people in this world, but they're only amazing because they made choices to be amazing. It wasn't that they had to work to become something. You're not working ever to become something. You are already already everything. Yeah. 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 You know, and and so I dive deep with that. And that's what we're here for is to uncover what those gifts are to bring them forward to benefit ourselves and everybody else around us. It really is that simple. And if you Mm -hmm. stick with that and, and so to, because you know, that ego mind steps in and that's what the importance of affirmations are and what journaling is to see, where am I? Where's the, where's my head going today? You know, and put Mm -hmm. it back on track because if you think, you or myself, people can look at us and say, oh, well, they don't have to. Yeah, we, my head. Oh. <laughs> you wouldn't want to be in here first thing in the morning. <laughs> they just don't know, you know. Yeah. We're and spirits it, on a journey having these human experiences. We still experience life like everybody else. Yeah. We've just mastered our, a certain way to respond differently that have made us stronger over time. You know, and the the importance of having people like you and myself is that we help you turn like, for instance, it took me almost two decades to get to this point in my journey, my profession, my personal life, my relationships. And so what we're able to do is condense the time, turn decades into days. Mm -hmm. And that's why, you know, I'm really looking forward to this event you know, really bringing some power into people's lives, helping them to reach a point of restoration and change mm-hmm. that's truly evolutionary in their lives. And it's important. It's time. This will be the year. And this is what came to me spiritually. This will be the year of the uncommon person. And the thing about an uncommon person is uncommon people, successful people, purpose-driven people, mm-hmm. you know, we always look at the top one to 3% who did all these amazing and great yeah. things. And then it's oh, like so few and far I'm between, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, it's not common to flow that way, but there's, is a different dynamic that's happening. This year will be the year of the uncommon people. It will be the year of the, the people who are saying, I'm going to step forward into my power and I will be the change. I will be the difference. I will create change. And those statements are going to be powerful, but you have to also be willing to be an uncommon person. You have to also be willing to be uncomfortable. You have to be willing to let yourself feel it. I say to my clients, that has to become your new normal. Mm -hmm. It's feeling uncomfortable. If you want to move forward and really, really uh, live to your full potential, you've got to get, that's got to be your new normal. And, you know, I write that in my book. One of the principles is, is to face one fear daily. And I'm telling you, the more that you practice courage, you become Mm. almost fearless. I mean, there are things that are going to frighten you more, but the things that frightened me like years ago, I'm like, huh. I mean, what was I thinking? You know, I mean, if anything went a little sideways, you know, I'd be like, oh, my oh, my God, there's a traffic jam. Seriously. I mean, that's wow. That's how you know. But that also came from me being frightened as a child. Mm-hmm. So you got to. So it's really all about self-awareness. Right. Totally. Self-awareness is the is the is the first step. Becoming aware of your thoughts, become aware of what's coming out of your mouth, because that will that is being stored in your subconscious, your, your limiting beliefs and your ego mind. Mm-hmm. So, and you've got a podcast as well. What's the name of the podcast? 
Uh, same as the brand, Evolved Mastery. You know what I was going to say? Congratulations on your branding. That was, I mean, I don't know if that was by design, but I think yeah. that's brilliant <laughs> because people are always going to be able to find you. I mean, it's like I, mm-hmm. me, I didn't do the same thing. I'm yeah. Off of this <laughs> that name, Tina Marks, Transparent Tina, the domino effect. Which one? Let's pick one. You know? Yeah. It sounds like, is that the well, same person? Yeah. I, I always tell people I am my brand. Mm-hmm. My yeah. life has evolved. Yes through yes. self-mastery, mm-hmm. you know? And so, you know, for years it was Princeton Clark coaching. And then a few years back, I decided to rebrand because I had evolved. And this is the thing, like so many people, I know Corona happened and so many people went through some massive shifts, some massive changes. And I want to leave you guys with this though. Change has happened. Change only presents an opportunity for newness. It presents Absolutely. an opportunity for growth. And if you can embrace the growth and it is going to be uncomfortable, it is, you know, it, we're living in uncommon times right now, unfamiliar times. And so a lot of people, I always say in these situations, this is when leaders are birthed because leaders don't focus on the problem. They focus on solutions. Exactly. The richest people in the world get, get rich in times like this, right? It really mm-hmm. shows you what you're made of. Are you going to mm-hmm. sink or are you going to swim? You know, yes. opportunity is always yours. It's just a lot more in your face right now, right? Yes. And so thankful for for people like you out there. I mean, making this your purpose. I mean, uh, God bless you. You're you're just amazing. I just um, I can't say enough good things about you. I want to I want to get your course. I want to be in your summit. Um, your podcast. And I see you on uh, Clubhouse. In case a lot of you don't know what that is, it's a brand new social media platform. You can find Princeton there. Uh, he's killing it at Princeton Clark. If you're, if you're on clubhouse right now, there you go. Princeton Clark. (laughs) Any, any, any takeaways before, uh, we, uh, before we leave each other? Um, well, I'd say number one, I just want to honor you in this space, you know, because I've been following you. We just recently connected and it was just like, boom, you know, but you know, I just honor your journey. I honor your bravery, your courage, your spirit to just stand up And I honor you for creating this space for me. A a big thing that I said, you know, about coming into this year, and I know I had you on my podcast as well, and that's going to be going up soon. Uh, But my goal in in this year is to serve from the bottom. I want to lift other people up. And I see you through your own actions, through your own words and being transparent. You're serving people from the bottom because you're saying, look at me. This is where I've been. You know, look at my dark corners. Mm -hmm. Look at what's challenging me. Mm -hmm. This is what's gotten me to where I am. Mm -hmm. And I love you enough to be honest because you don't have to wear a mask anymore. You Mm -hmm. don't have to hide. And it takes six man, so much bravery to Mm -hmm. be what you are as a divine creator in this world, sharing a message like that. And that's why I'm really attracted to everything that you're doing. And so I just want to honor you and also honor your listeners for tuning into you. I'm getting misty. (laughs) 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 Thank you. you. Uh, People that are listening can't see it, but people that are watching this on YouTube can, but uh, I know I'm a mush ball, but thank you so much. That Mm -hmm. touches me deeply. And I feel the same way about you, Princeton. So Mm. let's just keep on lifting other people up. You know, everybody, you can get there, you know, all it's just this thing in between your ears, man, you know, and you're totally God, you don't have a connection, you know, pick up some books, start and reach out, reach out. You have people like us to Princeton, reach out to myself. We're more than willing to help and we Mm -hmm. will be there for you. Okay. All right. Well, thank you so much, Princeton. Thank you all for watching. If you haven't subscribed to my YouTube channel, it is Tina Marks TV. My podcast is Transparent with Tina. And we'll be back at you again next week. Yes. Thank you, guys.